So yeah, today's uh, presentation is mostly going to be focused on kind of uh, how to avoid an audit or the seven, 10 things the IRS looks for during an audit. But with that, there's actually some reasons, uh, tax saving strategies that can kind of lower your audit risk as well. So it's going to be kind of a hybrid, long talk. Um, and then I'll post like just the bullet points into our vault. That way you can go and kind of read it depending on which one's applicable. Some are going to be applicable, some are not. So I kind of just picked what I thought would be best for this group. So um, one misconception is that the IRS doesn't audit, audit rich people. <laughs> um, that's, that's kind of a false. Um, if you make a lot of money, uh, uh, more than a million dollars, you actually do have a pretty good odd of being audited. 50% um, of the returns being audited today belong to taxpayers earning more than a million dollars. So if you know, you're know you pretty successful, you, you have a good chance of actually being audited. <laughs> so that's where if you do enter some tax strategies, you know the bonus depreciation through cost segs, solo 401ks, private foundations, correct, correct entity structure, you can maybe get below that million dollar threshold and lower your risk of audit. So um, I'm just kind of throwing it out there. Um, and with the new funding for the IRS, you know, that million dollar threshold will probably get lowered to that 400,000 is kind of the consensus because uh, that's who they're going to target per the verbiage out there in the press and by the current presidencies. You know, if you make 400,000 or above, your taxes will probably get looked at harder. So that 1 million is now probably 400,000 going forward. Um, another red flag for the IRS to audit you is if you run a really cash heavy business. Now, luckily for real estate, most of you that have rentals, you're not running a cash business. So this one doesn't apply to you so much, but if you have other side businesses um, and they mostly involve cash transactions, you do have an opportunity to be selected for audit more. And the reason the IRS audits really cash heavy businesses is you can kind of hide money that way. Um, so they want to make sure that you're reporting all your income so they can tax it to get their chunk of change. Um, <clears throat> historically, returns with math errors have also been looked at because when the IRS has their returns, whether they're filed electronically or they scan in your paper copy, they are looking for you know, addition, subtraction, multiplication errors. So that's an audit risk. But with most people using TurboTax or their CPAs have software that they use that kind of does all those calculations. That's not a red flag as much nowadays. Um, but if you're using QuickBooks or Excel or Sheets at home to create your P&Ls for your CPA, if there's errors there and you're audited, you know they could go back to track that if you have, um, have to show your proof of supporting documentation. Um, the next thing, that the IRS really hones in on for auditing is like 1040 Schedule Cs. So that kind of goes back to if you're a sole proprietor and you're running your business, whether through an LLC tax as a sole proprietor or you don't have an LLC and you're just using the 1040 and your social security number to do your business. Um, the IRS likes to hone in on individuals that pretty much have a 1040 Schedule C um, those get taxed more or those get audited more frequently than if you actually elected that business to be taxed as an S-Corp or created a partnership with it. Currently, 
if you had a S Corp 1065 partnership or your sole proprietor, the sole proprietor is going to get picked more often to be audited under the current audit selections and current staffing of the IRS. Now, going forward, if they do hire all those agents, the other entities could be looked at, but currently they don't get audited as much as the 1040 Schedule C. Um, so that's another way you can save money on your taxes is by just getting the correct entity set up or correct or select the correct entity for your business. So if you currently have a 1040 Schedule C as a sole proprietor and you do have income, you're going to have to pay self-employment tax on that, that 100% on that income. So we usually say around 40,000. If you have net income of 40,000, start looking at maybe classifying that LLC as an S-Corp. That way we can at least cut up some of that income to a W-2 wage where you still have to pay 15.3%, but the remaining amount you can then put as an owner distribution and not pay that 15.3%. So in that instance, correct entity selection can lower your tax taxable income and also audit, lower your audit risk. Um, the reason- Do you, do you really think as low as 40K? You really think that low you should start doing it? I mean, with all your, I mean, any just general write-offs and healthcare write-offs and all that, I mean, it's going to pay so little tax. I mean, I, 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 my opinion is more like a hundred grand, but I guess that's subjective. It's subjective because you do have, you do have other costs. You know, you got to pay another tax form for 1120S. You got to pay bookkeeper to do W-2. So 40K is like financially the break-even point, but Again, I've seen people okay. do lower. I just say 40 or above, start looking at it. Um, but the reason you, from just an audit standpoint, you'd want to move out of the Schedule C is because as kind of commented earlier before, it's pretty easy for the IRS if you're a W-2 employee, they know what you're getting paid. Your, your company's giving them the W-2 to show the taxes and your income. You can't hide income. While Schedule C, you could hide income because you know you could have cash, you could have credit cards, you could get checks. And the IRS does report, you know, they get 1099s from people that have paid you and from credit card companies. So they get kind of a report on how much income you're you're making. And that kind of needs to match what's on your schedule C. And if there is variances, that's usually cash, but the IRS does kind of go in to verify your income. And that's the one thing they really try to look at first when they do this audit on the Schedule C is they just want to make sure that all income is being reported. And, and when in doubt, over-report your income so you don't have to uh, pay bigger fines and even have some charges put against you for lying on income. But the other reason the IRS does look at Schedule Cs in pretty in-depth is you can write a lot of stuff off. <laughs> you can expense a lot of business expenses that... Um, you do need backup and receipts for that you can justify, but that's why the Schedule C is looked at is just you're able to do a lot of deduction, plenty of chances to deduct expenses for business use. Um, the IRS, if they do audit you, they are going to ask for backup. So just keep really diligent notes and receipts and notes of why you did what you did. Um, interesting thing is, with Schedule C's, the IRS looks at both high grossing sole proprietorships and really small ones. So 
Sole proprietors reporting at least 100K in gross receipts and is a real cash intensive business like taxis, car washes, bars, et cetera. They have a really high audit risk, but businesses that also report substantial losses on Schedule C um, to the offset their other income, those actually raise a red flag by the IRS too, to where they may say, oh, those losses are being inflated, offset income. We're going to go make sure those losses are legitimate. So the Schedule C is great in a lot of ways, but it also does increase your audit risk because of the ability to hide income and increase deductions. Um, that Schedule C also kind of gets looked at to whether it's a legitimate business. Um, some individuals have a hobby that they consider a for-profit business. So the IRS will also look at your previous returns and kind of get an idea of, has this Schedule C made income? You know, two of the last five years, three of the last five years, three of the last seven. Because um, they kind of look at that step, first of all, to see, is it a legitimate business or is it a hobby? Because a lot of people have hobbies that they spend a lot of money on and lose money and they try to write off as a Schedule C. So that's why uh, <clears throat> talking to peers or your current CPA or reaching out to us to determine if it's a hobby or business is a good idea because a lot of the time the IRS is going to default that it's a hobby and not a business and you'll lose all those um, deductions. Yeah, Chris. You know, Pete, if, if you've got a business that you have a few years just because of all your write-ups, you're kind of running at a loss. Is there a certain number of years to where, it, and if, let's say it's clearly not a hobby, you know, yeah. you, just, you just run at a loss. Is there a certain number of years of running at a loss where they look at you and say, this is not really a for a business? So the general guidance is you would have to have like income for, they'd say like three of the five years, like over half the time they look at. But that's when if you do get audited and you meet with them, you can show them all well, my losses, paper losses because of depreciation that we're given 100% in 22. Now it's 80% bonus depreciation in 23. So you can probably show them like this is an active business through marketing or other items and you could still have losses and get, you could pass that audit. It's just, that's kind of a flag for them to look deeper into your books. Well, let's say it's not just a paper loss and let's say it's not rental properties. It's like an active business and you're just not, you bring, you bring in an income, yep. but you just have more expenses than income. Uh, and you're saying after three years, you are not, may not be considered a business. Is that what you're saying? Or No, that that's, that's their test. So okay. if they see that you've had a loss for three years, they may go, we need to audit this, which could be just a letter. Please provide more information. Doesn't mean they're going to disallow it. It just puts it on their radar to look at you in more scrutiny. Um, okay. Because I have a large business, SBA loan and I've been running it off for the last couple of years and uh, on paper, I get on paper. But, yeah. Uh, they want to start not a business and forgive those SBA loans. I'm all for it. All right. I'll start another business. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because you look. Like through COVID, maybe the upcoming recession, a lot of businesses might have three to four years of losses. It's just they may look at you more determined based on that determination. If you're actually running a business, I wouldn't worry about it. It's people that do photography on the side or, you know, kind of those type of businesses. That's you're probably yeah. not going to pass. But if it's a legitimate business, you could have losses for five years. They will just look at you probably for an audit. Fair enough. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. So you've, 
we've all seen big companies have losses every year. So <laughs> um, another thing that does raise the audit risk is um, taking the home office deduction, which you can really only take if you have your Schedule C with positive income. Um, if you work regularly at home in a, an exclusive dedicated space, you're allowed to deduct your costs. But the IRS could argue, is this really legitimate? Will you save enough money? Is it really worth having that office at your home to deduct? So that's again, where we kind of talked about earlier, selecting the correct entity. You know, instead of doing a sole proprietorship, maybe doing an S corp, you can then, as, as long as you can kind of prove, oh, I work other places or I have meetings outside, you can then claim that Augusta rule from the S corp and rent that part of your house 14 days a year, a year as rent for the S-Corp, which would lower your taxes. And then it goes to you personally as income that is not taxable, as long as it's under 14 days. So that'd be another way to where the correct entity, take the Augusta rule, it lowers your taxes overall, and then you don't you lower your risk of audit as well. Um, another um, audit flag I've seen is if you file correctly on time on April 15th, uh, but then you have to do an amendment because let's say K1 came late. Um, this year, I've actually seen a lot of 1099s from uh, TD Ameritrade, Charles Schwab. I'm having clients actually get updated and amended 1099s from them after we filed. So we're going to have to go back and do an amended return like two, three months later. I know if you do a filing on time and have to do an amendment quickly, um, those sometimes get scrutinized as well and can raise your risk of an audit. So my philosophy, and anyone can comment on this, is if you do have K-1s or those items, maybe just do an extension, make sure you pay um, the o estimated owed taxes on time, and then file July, September, August, when you actually get the K-1, because I've seen K-1s be issued and then issued two to three times, if they're even issued on time. So that's one thing to maybe prevent having to file an amend within the same time period. Um, anyone have experience with that? I have a question. I would always, I would always, always, always file late, as late as you can. Just pay it April 15th. Because if you think about it, they're going to have a certain quota of audits to do each year. So they're going to do the early ones first. That's my comment. <laughs> if I have questions to that, um, because there's a school of thought, well, I, I guess I've read it both ways, whereby you filing a late, um, or should I say filing an extension as well, could increase your audit risk. Is that a myth or? What are your thoughts on that? I I haven't read anything on the articles I've kind of read that extensions increase your audit risk. Um, more of the things I've seen is kind of what we're discussing or have giant swings in income. Like one year you make 50,000, the next year you make 500,000. You know, those kind of wide swings are what I've seen increase your audit risk. I haven't seen anything about filing an extension increase it um, from what I've read. So, and then um, another thing that does get looked at is um, if you use your car for a business, um, the IRS does kind of look at that as a red flag. 
or a potential to re increase your audit because their viewpoint is not everyone, that car is not gonna be used 100% for business. So they do look at that carefully, but you know, if you're logging your miles or you actually have a other car at home that you personally can use, those kind of help defend in an audit. So again, just with depreciation, you could do bonus depreciation through your business and expense all that and not have to keep the mileage logs. So that does help preserve and save some income. Um, whether you're on a 1040 Schedule C or an S Corp or using it for your partnership. So that's just one thing to look at is the car business expenses. And then other items not really applicable to this group, probably in general, is if you do take credits, you know, if you take the American Opportunity credit for your kids in college, if you take the healthcare credit for them paying for part of your tax premiums, the health premium tax credit, those returns do get looked at pretty closely as well because you are asking for money from the government credit. So they will try to make that valid and that you're correcting it. Um, the IRS is specifically is really ramping up efforts on the AOTC credit for college kids. 